morning, everyone. You all doing well? Good. I like a conversational congregation. Um, <clears throat> so I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit disheveled this morning, a little bit tired. We've been renovating a house, our first house, which is a, definitely a praise the Lord. Yeah. And uh, we, move, we moved all our stuff in. We haven't moved in because there's nowhere to move into at the moment. Um, but at the moment, life's a little bit kind of, you know, here and there and everywhere. I don't know where my socks are. Um, like, and it, any man knows who wears, like, shirts and shoes, that you should always wear a pair of black socks of shoes or brown socks. But I've only got these sporty ones. So I'm wearing, like... <laughs> so if you catch a glimpse of white when I'm walking around, I know it's not right, okay? There's just nothing I can do. And people have offered me to wear their socks. I could wear my father-in-law's socks, but you don't wear another man's socks as well. That's just a, that's just a line that you should never cross. <laughs> so now I've explained myself before you see that when I'm walking around. Um, moving on to the word. Now this is a, quite a, like a, not a particularly in, like a happy picture because it looks a bit you know, deep and meaningful. And I'm deep and meaningful, but not like this normally. Uh, and last time I spoke, I spoke on Romans 8, which I'm sure you'll remember. Yeah, clearly not. Um, and Romans 7 and 8 are chapters in the Bible which changed my spiritual life. Um, and every time I revisit this, it's just constantly at the moment, whenever I think about God or I'm praying, these things keep popping up to my, into my mind. So whenever I'm speaking, I'm going to keep speaking on these two chapters until I've finished what needs to be done there. Uh, and last time I was speaking on Romans 8, um, the direct following part of that chapter was about suffering. So I said, as I'm sure you'll remember, that I would speak on suffering next. And I think it is right to do so. Um, so we're going to read through uh, Romans 8, 15 to 30. And this is the NLT version. Um, and I've just, uh, I'll go over a section that we covered last time I spoke because it, the transition's a bit interesting. The transition, I'll, I'll read it out. We will read it together. Can we go on the next slide? That's the one. So... You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins of our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And that's last time I read up to there and stopped. And that next section, when I read it the first time, was like, ooh, that's nice. You know, share a bit of suffering. We all like a bit of suffering, don't we? And, um, and I, at first, I felt like it was a negative thing. Um, but let's read on. And actually, it's a very real and encouraging thing. Um, so the future glory. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join with God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as, it's, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day that God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he promised to us. We were given this hope when we were saved. 
if we were already if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look for some forward to something we don't yet have, we must pay, wait patiently and confidently. Sometimes the Bible is really difficult to read, isn't it? Let's do that a little bit again. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows this, what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. Just listen to my voice. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to, to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Amen. So that's a mouthful, that's a long old passage to look at. And the reason why I wanted to include that whole section um, is because there's a lot in there that we can, we can pull out. And I'm sure there's bits in there. We, we actually did this at Life Group a while back. I like to bring up what I want to talk about at church, at Life Group, so I can get some ideas from everyone in Life Group. And, um, and there's a few things that in there that really spoke to me. And the, and the first thing is that suffering's a part of life. It's not a mistake. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something you've caused because you've done something wrong. That suffering is a part of life. And I think actually often when we come to church, we put on some you know, decent clothes, put on some sports socks and brogues, and we, we come along to church and we kind of pretend that everything's okay quite a lot of the time and we forget and we try and show people that actually suffering's not really a part of my life because I'm putting on my brave face and I'm going to come to church because I'm a really good Christian. And actually, it says in the Bible that suffering is part of our life and it's not something that we need to hide from or pretend that it's not there because it's actually written in the Bible that it's going to be there. So as part of being a human being, unfortunately, we're going to suffer through some things. And it's said that we must suffer as Jesus suffered. So it's not like God is saying we're going to suffer like his son didn't suffer. That we're going to suffer like Jesus suffered because Jesus lived on this earth. He had temptations. He had pain. Like he had excruciating pain on the cross. He had um, amazing patience. The only difference between us and Jesus is that he got it right all the time and we get it right about 1% of the time, probably. So, although it says we must suffer, we're suffering but following a leader who suffered before us. And despite all that suffering, then died on the cross and managed to get us set free from our sins. So, suffering in an accident, what you've done in your past and your suffering isn't related to that, right? You're not getting what you deserve because you've done something wrong. And it's, it's interesting that, that all that, this section on suffering comes just after that bit about how we're God's children. So it says that, um, and I keep talking about this, but it's so important that we understand this and actually really, un, really get the gospel message and get that we're saved. So it talks about how he gives us the Holy Spirit. So we, we get our faith in him. We're then set free from sin. We become his adopted children. And as his adopted children, we become his heirs. And as his heirs, we get an inheritance to the kingdom to heaven, right? Really important we understand that. And it goes often from talking about God's love to talking about suffering. And it's real. Like this, this is a letter written from Paul, the apostle, to the Roman Christians. 
And Paul's writing as a human being, as a, as a renowned Christian man, a leader in the Christian church. He's writing to other people saying, I'm not going to lie to you, you're going to suffer. Jesus suffered. It's not always going to be easy. And I felt encouraged because I don't have to be ashamed of the fact that I find things hard sometimes. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to be super spiritual that I float above it all, all the time. And the Bible talks about, you know, um, by prayers and transgressions, we get peace. And he leads us to green pastures and he does all these amazing things. He does do those things through the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean we don't feel suffering. I mean, it's not wrong to actually be in a time that's difficult in your life. And I think we should stop pretending a lot of the time because it makes it a little bit easier, do you know what I mean, when it's, when it's hard. And I think that um, if you look at verse 26, 28, do you want to pop that one up, up on the screen, Dragon? It talks about how God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us get through it all. It says... And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that, we, that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows that the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So God... He saves us, he rescues us, he tells us it's going to be a suffer, it's going to be a struggle, you're going to suffer, it's not going to be easy. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to walk with us in that journey. So he sent us his son to save us and to show us and to lead us, but he gives us the Holy Spirit who pleads with us, who pleads for us, sorry, is interceding on our behalf. Because in the previous, um, I'll talk about it in a minute, but in the previous chapter, Paul talks about how our nature leads to death or our nature is bad. And now the Holy Spirit leads to life or the Holy Spirit is good. And how our nature is bad, but the Holy Spirit is good. And God gives us the, gives us the Holy Spirit to pray on our behalf and to plead for us in that suffering. Which is encouraging. I find that encouraging. Do you find it encouraging? Cool. And then I kept that little bit at the bottom there. Um, because we're not just suffering for suffering's sake. Like, and, it, and I think actually the Holy Spirit can give us some insight into wisdom, into why we're suffering sometimes, and how we're working towards a different purpose. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit so often gives us that peace and gives us that calmness and pleads for us. And when we're praying and groaning, when we're groaning and like talking in tongues or just saying words and trying to pray to God because we don't know what we're trying to say, maybe someone's sick that you know or maybe you just lost a job or you're just fed up and you're depressed and you're anxious and something's going on and you can just say things and just speak murmurances and speak in the Holy Spirit and it'll plead for you, you get insights into what God's plan is. So actually your suffering isn't pointless. It's not just there to hurt you, but actually you're in part of a plan that's going towards something. It's not always to see it. When, you, when you're suffering, it's not always easy to see that there's something else going on in the journey. The next thing I wanted to... Um, so that, the, the first thing there, I'll caption all that as God's... You know, we're not alone in the suffering. Do you know what I mean? We're not alone in that suffering. In fact, we're all here today, so we're not alone in that suffering. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit and this, this, this thing for me has been like a, a, a tricky sort of journey in my mind. And we raised this at Life Group last time. We spoke a bit about entitlement um, and suffering. And sometimes it's really easy when we're, when we're suffering, um, when we're not suffering even, we pray and we ask God for things, don't we? Like, you know, maybe you lost your job. You want a job, so you pray for your job. 
Maybe you're sick, so you pray for healing. Maybe um, things are really good, but you really would like a new car, so you pray for a new car or whatever. And we just pray and we ask God for things. And sometimes I think we pray God for things, and then we get angry when he doesn't give him what we want. We get angry at God when he doesn't do the things how we want him to do them and when we want him to do them. And we pray to God almost not out like he's giving us as a, as a loving father, but almost as, as a spoiled, entitled child who's saying, God, why haven't you given me what I've told you to give me? Yeah? And it's, and it's like a common thing with people who, who struggle with Christianity is because they've prayed for something in, in the past and God hasn't delivered it to them in the way they wanted it or done it in the way they said and asked for it. And, and then they get angry at God because he's not done what they said when they said it. And I had that thing when I was growing up and I wasn't a Christian. I find that really difficult. And we treat God like we are entitled to everything that he gives us. And actually, it's so the other way. If God gave us what we're entitled to, we would all have a really bad ending. Because it says in the Bible that our nature is death, right? So what we're entitled to. And the Holy Spirit is life, which isn't our nature, that's given to us by God. That makes us entitled to something else. So our nature actually gives us an entitlement to something we don't actually want. What God does do is he blesses us. So the things that we have, the house that we just bought, the clothes that I'm wearing, the socks that I've got on, these are blessings from God. They're not entitlements because I worked really hard and I did this and I, and I, and I, and I did this deal and I, and I, and I'm, I'm, and I, I was, you know, did this stuff so I've got a wife now and I've done X, Y and Z so I did all this stuff. It was me and God, I want you to give me this now and this now and a new BMW X5 now because I want that. And that's how we must sound to God sometimes. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes that, those are trivial things, but sometimes there's real things in life like healing and like um, an employment and relationships, things that you really, really want. And we pray for it like it, we're entitled to everything that God's got given to us, <clears throat> that God gives us, sorry. And I'm not, so, I'm not saying that God doesn't give us stuff. God works in his own way. And when we pray and ask for things, there's been prayers in my life that he's answered in ways I did not expect and how he's done actually 10 times more than what I asked for. But it's not how I wanted it and it's not when I wanted it. It's how God saw it fit for my life because he's my father. Do you know what I mean? He's going to treat me like his son, not going to spoil me and give me things all the time that I want now. And actually, I think there's an entitlement mindset I would suggest that sometimes we all adopt when we're talking to God. And I would like to just raise that as a thing. But there is something we are entitled to. There is one thing, this is something, this is what I've been thinking about, is there's one thing we definitely are 100% entitled to as God's children, and that's heaven. Because in these chapters, it talks about how when we believe and put our faith in Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit, he adopts us as his children, and then as his children, he makes us heirs to his future glory, to heaven. And an heir is someone who is entitled to something upon the death of something, right? So we're actually, and it talks about being legally bound to the old law and then having faith in God and being legally married to, to Jesus under the new covenant. So we're in a legal relationship and as legal heirs, we're actually entitled to heaven. Not because we earned it, but because we believed in him and by grace he gives it. But that's our one proper, full-on, have an entitlement. That's the one to be entitled about. And that's the one we forget about quite often, 
and we think about the things in front of us that aren't entitlements, do you know what I mean? And things that, you know, that, that, that new thing or this, this healing or these things that are real issues and real suffering that we go through and things that are genuinely upset us and make life difficult, but they become so much bigger than our real entitlement, which is heaven. So when he starts, at the very start of this thing, it's not on the screen, but I'll show you on here, I'll read it to you. He says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. That's our, that's our entitlement. That's our inheritance. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes we need to focus on the inheritance more than what's going on right in front of us all the time. Or is that just me? It could just be me. When I spoke about a life group, you all seem to agree. So if you do agree, can we start doing this now as a church? I want to start doing this more as a church, right? If you agree, can you say something, can you say something like, I agree. Thank you. Or like, amen. Amen. Or preach it. Rich Wilkinson Jr. is a pastor in America. He gets people to shout, shout at him, preach it, white boy. <laughs> I'm not saying do that because that's like, you know, it's not my style. But if you, if you want to do that, then please, you know, feel free. But let's encourage, let's encourage our speakers, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get passionate here. And if you ain't getting passionate back at me, it's a one-way passion. I don't like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. I really hope the podcast got that. I really hope the podcast got that. Cool. So, so I mentioned um, earlier, so I'm talking, I've spoke about so far, I've talked about that we're not alone in our suffering. Yeah, the entitlement mindset. So although we're suffering, God will bless us in that. But let's not think that we're entitled to everything he gives us. In fact, he doesn't owe us nothing um, and I would mention this actually very quickly before I move on in the book of Job which is known as the book of suffering which is a book that no one likes to read as a Christian because that's about suffering we don't talk about that in the church um, but in the book of Job he basically is a righteous man who then in the enemy <coughs> excuse me, kills his family kills his livestock, his, his wealth, everything and then takes his health and he has all these friends that come to him and they're like you deserve this because you must have sinned you deserve this because you must have done this. You deserve this because of whatever. And so the, the saying, friends of Job, was born because friends of Job aren't very good friends. Um, and, then God, and then eventually Job is like, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you done this? Why haven't you done this? And, blah, blah, blah. and after this whole chapter of talking, God finally responds to Job. And he, in that response, he says, I don't owe you anything. But he gives us everything. And that's a word he gave me a couple, like a year ago. I don't owe you anything, but I give you everything. And it's so powerful. And actually that entitlement that I feel I have with God sometimes needs to be switched to blessing. Because when I realize that I'm actually being blessed by God more than I'm entitled to things he's given me, then actually I will praise him more because I understand that what I've got is actually amazing. And as Jill, um, Jill was saying, saying this morning about bringing something in your hand, we've all got things in our hand we should be bringing to God and saying thank you for. Even the, even the littlest things and the biggest things. The fact that I can say to Astrid, I don't want water, I'd rather have tea, please. That's a blessing, do you know what I mean? We can decide not to have water and have a substitute that we think tastes better. That's a blessing to many people. That's ridiculous. Um, so the next, moving on. You spoke about, um, we're not alone. You spoke about the entitlement mindset. And now I want to talk about the inner battle. The inner battle. Sorry, I my teas. Not from Sutton. <coughs> 
I mentioned in Romans 7, I'm not going to read it because it's quite wordy, but basically Paul the Apostle, this Christian leader, this man that everyone respects, in this letter to the Roman Christians says that he struggles with sin. And he says that I know what's right and I often don't do what's right. And I know what's wrong and I often do what's wrong. And he suggested that he often does the wrong thing more than he does the right thing. And it's annoying to him because he knows what's wrong and he does it still. And that's when he's talking about how our nature leads to death and the Holy Spirit leads to life. So our nature is bad inherently and the Holy Spirit is the opposite and it leads to life and it's good. But it causes this internal suffering that he's talking about. Because he's like, why do I keep getting it wrong? Why am I constantly battling myself in something that I keep getting wrong? And it's like you have the the perfect thing inside you and your nature and it's conflicting the whole time. So throughout our whole lives, we've got our nature conflicting with the Holy Spirit, like the, the bad thing conflicting with the good thing, and you're constantly battling trying to decide which one to follow. And the good thing, the Holy Spirit will try and lead you to life and it will lead you to a place of, of peace and leads you to a place of, of conquering and a place of perspective and understanding. And then the, the, the nature in you, the death in your life, will constantly pull you through to the other side, to sin and suffering. And you're, again, saying that even if you're sinning, because you're sinning doesn't mean you're suffering, but the suffering's so much more real when you're going this way all the time. And the, and the, and the life that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, we so rarely choose that even though we, we know we should. I'm trying to word this better than I'm wording it. Basically, Paul sinned a lot. Paul is Christian man who people followed across the, the world, admired this man as a Christian, said he suffered with sin, he struggled. He was suffering. Um, can we put the next one on? The next little... That's the Bible verse which talks about us being entitled to heaven. I missed that off, apologies. That's verse 23, the second half. This is, uh, this is 23, the first half. Um, and no, go back one more. Sorry, I'm being confusing, Dragon. I know it's my fault. Go back one more. That one there. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And it's like those two things are intertwined. Do you know what I mean? Sin and suffering. And often our, own su- our suffering is caused by ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like we do actually cause our own suffering just because we put ourselves through that turmoil, because we know what is wrong, yet we do it anyway. And that conflicts with the Holy Spirit living in us, and that causes suffering and guilt and all sorts of nasty things which you don't want in your life. But we have it nonetheless. Does that make sense? Yeah? Amen? <laughs> Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so I've written, I've written a poem um, or spoken word. I don't know, I've, and I've, I've never, done, never done this before. I've never written a poem or anything like that. But this is a, something I felt God gave to me when I was uh, on my bike. And it just stuck in my mind that I feel like it's appropriate to share. Um, it's quite a personal thing. It's my personal, it's my personal journey with sin and suffering. Um, and I, yeah, I think I should share it now. Um, yeah, I'll just read it out. I'll read it, shall I? What chance did I have when I was 12 years old watching scenes on a screen unfold? At least then I had to dial up to dial in to indulge. And what chance did I have when my phone became smart and it started to tear my idea of love apart and it had me on my knees as a harmless habit turned into a dependency? What chance did I have when I met my now wife and had to give up an addiction that had been there pretty much my entire adult life? 
Then I was breaking two hearts, God's and hers. The guilt and shame had me in a cycle and I didn't know where to start. What chance did I have when the church I grew up in so often put ignorance in front of wisdom, comfort in front of teaching, and fear in front of calling? And what chance do they have when on average they are just eight years old watching scenes on a screen unfold and their phones that are so smart are tearing their idea of what they think love is apart? And when it has them on their knees as a harmless habit turns into a dependency, and when they meet their future wife and they have to give up an addiction that has been there their entire life, what chance do they have when the church chooses silence or condemnation rather than love and grace to tackle this epidemic which is spreading across our entire nation and is piece by piece tearing apart the future Christ generation. The issue isn't bigger than the solution. It's in our nature to cause some level of sinful pollution. But the answer has to be God, the only true conclusion. And that's like a battle I've had my whole life. You can make me cry. <laughs> and that's, um, that's about what I've had my whole life. Do you know what I mean? About sin and suffering. Like, that's something that, that has been, you know. And I think that sin and suffering is part and parcel of being a human being. And funnily enough, I feel like the place I can't talk about it sometimes is church. And I think that. I think that the reason why I want to share this stuff and want to talk about this stuff today is because I think that we need to pray uh, and love each other a bit more in a judgment-free zone. So together as Christians, as, a, as corporately being together in this place, this needs to be a place where we can pray and talk to each other about things. And that was, for me, that was the thing about sin more than about which caused suffering in my life. But there's lots of other things people go through which we should be able to talk to people about in this, in this place. But we also need to know that the Holy Spirit that it, it prays and pleads for us. It's not, you're not alone. Like God's not put you on a journey and left you in it by yourself. He's there praying and pleading for you through the Holy Spirit. That we are blessed despite our sinful nature. So the, despite the, the things in our life or the, 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 the nature that is just wrong and just leads to death, despite that stuff, God still blesses us. And then he gives us an entitlement and he says, you're entitled to heaven because I love you. We need to know that. And we need to know that he's adopted us as his children and he's freed us from the condemnation of sin. Like, I'm not condemned. In that stuff I was talking to you about, I was never condemned by that stuff. As soon as I put my faith in Jesus and he gave me the Holy Spirit, I was set free from the condemnation of sin in my life. And what made it worse was that I was highlighted the sin in my life and I still struggled with it but I was never condemned by it. It was something I had to overcome and it's something I have to battle with and I've got people I'm accountable to and stuff and I talk to about stuff but that was a con, but the, con the enemy would tell me that I'm condemned. I can't come and do anything in church because I'm not good enough to do those things, right? But I was not condemned by that stuff because I was set free. And then we need to know that the suffering we experience now is worth it. Just wait till we get to heaven. 
It says in verse 18, it says, Yet we suffer now, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So, I said this to Jill earlier. I never like put an ending to my messages because I never know what's going to happen at the end. Um, but can we sing? Can we do a song? And, um, and I just encourage, you know, and I really do encourage you here, like, if you're, if you're suffering, if you're suffering because of things outside of your control, if you're suffering because of sin in your life, if you're suffering because of whatever the reason you're suffering is, because I'm guessing everyone here is suffering on something, then please just come forward. We're going to sing a, jong- a song to rejoice God, I think. Yeah? Cool. Um, because there's a lot to rejoice. And just like, before I, I put the microphone down and stop, stop, stop talking, just know that you are not alone in your suffering. That your suffering is not a, a result of your sinful nature. Your suffering is something that God said is going to be in your life regardless. So let's, um, let's pray. Oh, let's, let's not pray.